This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week Podcast. I'm at CJZ today. I think we've been here before, but it's been quite a while since uh, Michael Cordell and uh, Nick Murray have asked us back. Yes. It's great to be here again, guys. Yeah, good to have Likewise you, James. for us. Good to see you. <laughs> now, um, best known at the moment, of course, for, I guess, Gruen, which is um, doing pretty well. I noticed it was well inside the top 10 yes. when it screened this week, and it had its best audience, I think, episode three. Three, the numbers yeah, three, have been you know, up. It should be the top rating show on the ABC unless people, you know, too many people tune into the <laughs> Royal Wedding on the weekend. But uh, yeah, it should be. It, it, it's um, uh, it doesn't normally play at this time of year, so it's interesting. Uh, so early, it's isn't doing, it? Yeah, it is earlier than normal, and so it's up been up against MKR and beginning of MasterChef and stuff. But it's done, it, you know, it's done really well. It won the slot the other night and beat MasterChef and you know, top show on the ABC. So you know, they're they're the metrics we like to. To measure it against, and then it's coming out of Julia Zamiro's home delivery that we also make. Um, so it's it's just really nice to see them. Uh, the leaf blowers coming past again. <laughs> we should uh, say we're in a, yeah. we're in a suburb where there's quite a bit of work out in the street at the moment. And, yeah, uh, jackhammers, leaf blowers, you name it. Yeah, so. we organise the leaf blower just to annoy James. <laughs> The Gruens have uh, been such an enduring franchise, and it just seems eternally fresh. I mean, it, yes, because it it often touches on contemporary uh, events and obviously contemporary advertising. So, yeah, it's just been remarkable to see yeah. how it's uh, how it's endured and um, we'd dearly love to see it happen overseas somewhere, wouldn't we? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a show that, that when we pitch it internationally, they um, people are confused by it because they think we're having a go at advertising, whereas, in fact, you know, we're sometimes having a go at advertising and sometimes praising it, but it is a show that probably... Uh, you know, lives on the ABC. It, it does so well because it's on a public broadcaster, um, and it's a good way to sneak ads onto the ABC mm. too. I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, but that, yeah, it's it's interesting trying to trying to talk to people internationally about it. They uh, they think it should be renamed "Bite the Hand That Feeds You." <laughs> but they they had a crack at it a few years ago in the UK, and and I think got the balance wrong. There was they treated it as a purely a comedy show. Uh, and I don't think it had the the insightful, intelligent kind of comment that Gruen has. Was that's where it survives and, and thrives? I think is just on that balance of of comedy and just great insight. But Michael, was that a format sale or just something similar? It was for no, no, no. It was a format. There was a format attempt to get it up there as okay. a format, right, for the BBC. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But they, they, you know, it's that classic thing when. So the series went to where? No, no, no. They just, well, just had it. All oh, right, but the, okay. The, you know, it's one of those things where where they don't people overseas don't necessarily listen to the people who make the show and you know John Casimir at the time was saying to them don't put comedians on the panel uh, it's not that kind of show you know you need to put experts on the panel but they did it like those classic you know British panel shows where it was a you know a host and four comedians rather than a comedian hosting it and four advertising experts which is what the actual essence of the show is so oh, interesting you know interesting thing for us to learn that we wouldn't let anyone do it again without us having you know s- some firmer say over how they did it yeah and gee nick aren't there a lot of those shows in the uk but look we spoke to will last year oh yeah will anderson the gruen host and he talked about pitching in the yeah. U- u.s yep um can you give us any update there? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's still, there still interest. interest? There Can I still say, well, I think US. it might have been Netflix was, well, was one of the of, people you well, spoke to. Well, there was a whole to. lot of the, you know, the, the streaming services because they're not And it would work better there because they're not 
yet mm. not advertised. So yeah. what we're doing, like we're aiming at the edge, right? <laughs> yeah, we're aiming at people in the US who aren't as advertising dependent or not advertising dependent at all. So there's still uh, good interest over there. There's nothing uh, signed on the dotted line yet, but there's there's a lot of interest over there, and it's a you know it it as, as Michael said, it it becomes more relevant and Will's pointed this out before as well each year it, rather than becoming less relevant it's becoming more relevant because when it, the show started you know advertising was just you know on your TV and you know there were a few banner ads on uh, on websites and it was on the side of buses and you know now you know the 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 outdoor advertising's interactive there's advertising coming to your phone that Facebook is tracking your data you know you are the product uh, now and and it becomes so what we're trying to do is still explain to people how they are being manipulated and and why they need to be either wary or 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 you know interested in in some of the new developments in, in advertising so it's an interesting it's an interesting uh way to manage those kind of shows and it's you know we on this week we did a uh, we did a thing about dave warner as well so just to look at you know what was happening with the pr and spin about david warner trying to uh, redeem his reputation and it was nice to be able to dip into that as well you know it's nice to be able to look at people you know we looked at mark zuckerberg in an earlier episode this season uh just to see not not just facebook but zuckerberg himself how they how they're using him as a brand and 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 is he a brand that kind of thing so it's you know it's interesting it's a it's a show which which um, you know, which develops uh, differently each each season, and uh, and there seems to be something new to talk about all the time. So it's nice to be doing it again. Yeah, look, so, so that's grew, and I mean, I'd like to talk about some of your other key properties and what's happening. Um, just out of interest, how do you guys, uh, Michael and Nick, do you split up? Do you look after separate projects? Do you work together on everything? How does it? Well, we generally work on separate projects. I mean, there's, there's often. Um there's often lots of interplay, so we, we kind of both know what, what each other's doing and uh, have a kind of good uh, knowledge on that. At times on different shows, we've worked very closely together, so uh, Bond, Reinhardt, um, uh, most recently. Uh, but generally we have our, our babies and we kind of nurture them and look after them and, mm. and uh, raise them uh, separately under the one roof. Yeah, and it's not, and it's not just us too. You know, the, the, you know, Matt Campbell's here now as CEO and he has uh, a couple of projects that he's shepherding along. Tony Malone's our head of uh, production, director of production. She uh, has some projects that she's bringing along and then, the, you know, Faz and the whole bunch of people, Damien Davis, head of entertainment, you know, Rick, Rick McPhee. McPhee, Polly Connolly, you know, there are a whole bunch of people bringing through their own projects and uh, and and shepherding them and, and protecting them as need be. You know, there's a new series of, uh, of Go Back to Where You Came From coming out this year, which Rick's uh, uh, running and... So and, Go Back Live, their brand new Yeah. Name. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so... Uh, you know, so 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 it, it isn't the size that we're at now. It can't just be Michael and I. Uh, I think the the essence of the kinds of shows we make are still what we love and what we're proud of. And uh, you know, Reg Grundy said to me once, I, I was a television snob. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that he was exactly right, but but we do like shows that have multiple um, multiple layers in them. So. Uh, you know, if we were ever to do just a pure game show, there's, there's likely to be something else in there to, to lay it on top of it. So, uh, you know, when we do a factual show, it'll often have a, 
you know, some other kind of emotional level in it. So it'll, you know, Bondo Rescue is a wonderful show that has some, you know, comedy elements to it. Uh, it's got safety messages embedded in it. There's a whole lot of things going on in that show that make it work, and it's, you know, it's still going 13 years later. So that's why Michael and I originally got together, and I think the essence of the kinds of shows that we like are still, are still what the company's doing. But I think the, the great thing and exciting and very fulfilling thing about the, the size we are now <clears throat> is that we are, we are at a size where we are an umbrella for a lot of uh, great people with great ideas and uh, yeah, it, it's just not the sort of business now that requires uh, you know, Nick and my attention on absolutely everything. So it's, it's really exciting to see... Yeah, ideas emerge, be developed, grow, get financed and produce sometimes without all that much involvement from, from either of us, which is fantastic. So we have uh, you know, really endeavoured to create a kind of a home where people can you know, bring projects, develop projects and, and um, you know, create them un- under this roof. Does that size, I guess you're bigger than you've ever been now? In terms of um, revenue and hours produced, I yeah, guess. We, I mean, we never count hours produced because I think you know that that it's a measure elsewhere, yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah, but it, you know, it only really works if you're making game shows and Does and it? you know MasterChef and that kind of stuff because it's that's a volume measure. We don't we don't look at that. It's just not something that we've ever counted up how many hours that we do in a year. Uh, we count up how many different ideas we do in a year, so we tend to make about you know 12 series a year here in Australia and we do about the same over in New Zealand uh, so we're making sort of 22 to 25 series a year across mm. the, the, the the two countries and that's you know, I mean that's big it's that that's unwieldy and big and it's you know it's a lot of effort that uh, we put in and Tony and Matt put in to be across uh, all of those shows um, but it you know that was a deliberate strategy initially to to develop into different genre, to move into different genre area, uh, which enable us then to flatten out, um, you know, lumpy bits of revenue across the year, and also enables us to have a lot of different clients, which uh, which helps it in you know in 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 spreading risk a bit. You know, if someone has a bad year or they paid too much for the cricket, then uh, then. You know, we've got shows on other networks that uh, that aren't affected by those kind of. It does of feel a very comfortable size. I mean, we're, we're big enough, <clears throat> big enough now to have a you know, chief financial officer, a head of business and legal affairs, um, you know, a head of production, sort of specialists in different areas. So it's you know, everything's kind of pretty much in house. But a- as Nick said, if if uh, you know, when we're smaller, if if a show fell over, um, you know, things could get fairly mm. <laughs> fairly dire but we're big enough now that uh, if something goes wrong with with a show it's not the kind of end of the world mm. and um, our key focus at that point actually is to look after the people who are going to be working on a show so if a show does fall over you know we try and place them elsewhere on other shows that we've got coming up that's that is the really good thing because it enables us to keep uh, really good people in our circle and uh, and we do the same thing over in New Zealand as well so that is a you know th- this business is about people it's a you know our model here of having uh, a, a good group of internal producers working on production and development that model is about being able to uh, have quality assurance to the network so we're not out in the freelance marketplace uh, bidding against other people for exactly the same people to make 
you know, a, a show that we might be pitching a network. We've we've got our own people here, and that then uh, brings a certain style and look to our shows that you know that hopefully the audiences like and hopefully the networks like. The and I guess the bread and butter is a, sh- a show that gets renewed and keeps coming back, becomes a regular part of the schedule, yeah. which you've got a lot of these days. And and you you work in an area where I guess where you're not sort of trying to make a big blockbuster for the network I guess that you know like a 7.30 shiny floor show we'd be happy to (laughs) (laughs) but that's the area that I guess is dangerous financially because whereas these days the the network audiences are flattening out you know you're doing between 500 and a million on a show and that's really good these days but before you can get cancelled wouldn't you so there's Mm. is there less risk in in making TV, uh, less, than less they risk to, than they used to be. Maybe. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, the the, the risk for us is our houses. <coughs> our houses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. We have a, you know, an absolutely massive overhead, which kind of focuses your mind. Um, you know, when we sign off on the payroll every week, that's a sobering mm. uh, experience. So, no, I think there is there is a lot of risk in that sense. And, I mean, it is, you know, the, the whole environment's been disrupted, so things that were certain, you know, shows that you would almost certainly get up five years ago would be impossible to get up now. Okay. Um, so the, the market certainly changed. So, you know, just when you feel comfortable and stable in one area, things change and you've kind of got... I think you have to be absolutely on your toes and quite, quite nimble to survive. So, for me at least, it doesn't seem any less risky than it was no i don't know and, and i think you know you talked about shiny floor shows at 7 30 the networks are unlikely to commission a new original australian idea for a multi-night show at 7 30 at night so the shows that do get commissioned for those slots tend to come from the international companies that are operating here so they're just re- they're remaking the formats internationally yeah, they're remaking the foreign format here and, and they tested elsewhere yeah that doesn't give that doesn't uh, guarantee they're gonna no. they're gonna get up. You know, I remember one year Endemol made five five series for Channel Nine, all international formats, and they were all they all failed. Some of them didn't even make it to air. Uh, it was it showed that having an international format on your in your book doesn't mean it's going to work here. And uh, I think you know if the networks the networks I, I think understand that now they did, probably didn't initially because they were rushing off commissioning anything from Endemol. They're, they seem to be a little bit carefuler now, more careful now. But it is, uh, you know, the thing that I sort of worry about is what happens to people with great original ideas here. So, you know, the, the, there's, a, there's a strange situation at the moment where, um, where a, a project that goes through Screen Australia as a format, uh, more money goes to the idea and the production company for a remake of a foreign format than for an original Australian idea, up to three times as much uh, for, for what is much less risk. And, and it's a bizarre sort of anomaly, which hopefully will be addressed soon, but it's a very strange situation where, where original ideas are not being recognised, even by the government funding agencies. And again, also by people like uh, you know, the AFI, the actors, the actors or whatever you want to call them, you know that we've got shows that end up. We had we had uh, Julia Zimmer's Home Delivery was in the uh, entertainment category last year in the actors, and also up for best direction in that category, and it was won by um, uh, Australian Ninja. 
And you go, look, Australian Ninja, great, you know, very well-produced show, but it is just a copy of a foreign show. And, you know, they're, they're basing it written on, on a book of how to make the show. So how the director of that show or any, any other show can win, you know, best direction and how the show can be... And a be, completely different genre. Too, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's ridiculous. So, you know, that kind of stuff, I, I, I do despair. Sometimes the industry isn't giving enough kudos to local... Uh, ideas and local talent you know that there should be a best copy category in the actors <laughs> and then and then there should be best original show as there is in the in the in the screenplay area in the feature film thing so you know I, I, that kind of stuff uh, that shits me James that yes. shits me <laughs> yes yeah also what, what does this shit you the um, <laughs> the number of big internationals moving in snapping up investing in local production companies I mean, how do we? What do we call CJZ these days? You're almost. I mean, you're probably obviously the biggest. CJZ makes it sound American. Well, sorry, so, already. Sorry. So, <laughs> well, do you call it CJZ? No, we call CJZ. it CJZ unless CJZ. we're talking to Americans. Okay. 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 CJZ because I don't know what we're CJZ. The um. <laughs> so yeah, what do we call you guys? I mean, you're obviously the biggest, but you're almost the only, aren't you? Left. Yeah. I mean, I think what you call us now is a target. <laughs> 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 we do feel like last man standing. Um, look, it's, it's completely understandable, um, and you can you can see the benefits for some production companies in in having a you know, an, a, a big brother or a big sister overseas. I mean, in in the drama area, for instance, uh, having a big brother or big sister who can kind of help bankroll big DGs makes a big difference. Um, or can make a big difference in terms of getting shows up. So. Well, I don't want to mention what the show is, but we're in a situation where we've got a show very close to being commissioned. If um, if we were able to kind of dip in uh, and put our hand out to a big brother or sister overseas, it would get over the line in an absolute flash. So, yeah, so there are opportunities to be had there, but, um, yeah, we're, we're certainly proud of the fact that we're locally owned. Hmm. If you, if you had any offers, if you could come close, we, we have over you know in the last sort of seven years, we've we've had a few approaches which we've generally said no to because just you know it didn't seem the right time and there are a whole lot of reasons. But we we we've we've generally said no, and and um, I don't think we regret we regret that. And no. you know there are a few things that make, that make it a little bit hard now. So we you know we don't have a big international treasury, so when we have to cash flow the offset into a big production. You know, we we have a line of credit with our bank that's you know secured against Michael and my houses. Uh, you know, so there's a whole lot of stuff that we do that that competitors of ours um, who are making those kind of shows don't have to do. You know, they don't have to take personal risk. Um, they know where they're sleeping every night, right? Yeah, well, they're, well, they're probably not sleeping every night because they have to be on the phone to some <laughs> idiot in 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 who is taking the risk in London. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so you know, there, there are pros and cons. Uh, there are pros and cons of that, yes. but we're you know we're we're okay on that. It, it, look, you know what? Business environment at the moment is tougher than it's been. You know, it's much tougher to do deals with networks. The networks have got much bigger, more aggressive business affairs departments than I used to work at a network and I was the only one there, you know, I was the only person. You're at 10, right? 10, yeah, yeah, in the, in the late 80s and, um, um, you know, the, the I was the only person in the business affairs department and, and my view was that my job was to help uh, production companies get shows up and, and, you know, we were partners in them. 
that's not necessarily the feel we get now from some of the network business affairs departments. We're seeing, uh, we're, uh, the feeling I get is we're sort of the enemy and we're there to rip the network off, which we're not. We're there to make a good show for the network and we want to be compensated fairly for that. Um, I just think sometimes there's too much aggression that comes from those business affairs departments and they're, they're trying to get rights that the networks will never use. There's no point doing that. You know, why would the network want, why would any, any of the networks in Australia you know, want five grand. You know, the, the, the network can't do anything with five grand. Now, we can. We can develop a new show and pitch a new show with five grand or, you know, pay for, you know, pay for a, a, a junior researcher for a month or something like that. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff we can do with that money that's really useful, that's good for the industry and good for the business. The network coming in and, and stealing five grand from us by being, you know, an asshole in, in a <laughs> negotiation is is not good for the industry mm. certainly not good for us and it's not good for the industry and it's it's immaterial for the network so sometimes i i despair about that and i know the big companies you know probably have more clout in those kind of negotiations uh but it's something we've got to keep in the back of our mind you know what is a fair deal for everyone we try and do fair deals with the external partners we work with when they're bringing a show to us and hopefully we would be treated that way by the networks and um i think for smaller producers too that are just desperate to get shows up they're willing to give away a lot of those rights which does them in the long term uh considerable harm and i think it does the industry a lot of harm because networks feel they can kind of get away with it so I think one of the reasons, well, I'm sure one of the reasons we've survived over the years is that we've been, and Nick in particular, has been uh, you know, very strong on holding the line. Uh, you know, we always uh, absolutely try to be fair and uh, you know, we don't want to rip anyone off uh, for a second, but you know, being, uh, yeah, keeping the networks honest and uh, retaining as many rights uh, as we can and getting fair prices for things is really, really important. Mm. All right, look, I want to run through some of your uh, franchises, your format, your programs, but, and then we'll end up with some sort of thoughts about you know, where TV's headed, viewing habits, how that's affecting the production sector. But quickly, before we get into those shows, is there much new from you guys that's on the horizon that we might see in the next 12 months? And you, you probably can't detail some of it, but you... Yeah. So no, go, go Back Live is really exciting. And, like, and different. In, in, very different and uh, extremely scary. So like <laughs> a, just over a week of back-to-back? It's three, three consecutive nights. Uh-huh. Um, it be a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night in... Um, Later this year, we and, and I, I love the idea. You know, I mean, in the current broadcast environment, which is so incredibly competitive, you know, making noisy shows is is what the networks all want, and you know, live shows are part of that. So we see stargazing live. Of course, we see live sporting events, but I guess the the, the difference the difference in in this is that where. We're adapting live television to uh, like a really serious examination of a humanitarian disaster. So in many respects, is one of the most ambitious things we've done. I mean, we're sending 50 people thereabouts overseas. You know, it's got a big budget. Um, we're really pushing the boundaries in terms of technology. So you, as well as the traditional satellite links, you're going to see a lot of you know, FaceTime and Skype and Periscope. And yeah, so we, we are, it's a big, bold project that we're very excited about. But um, I think it's a, it's a great example of the way networks just want to make as much noise as they can in the mm. current environment. 
Michael, it sounds like a format that should create a lot of interest in Europe these days, given what they've been going through the last yeah, couple well, of well, years. The, the original go-back format has sold reasonably well overseas, and we'd love to kind of crack it in the States and in the UK, and, and hopefully uh, this uh, you know, version of it will you know, reignite some interest in, in the original version. Yeah, and then, uh, I mean, you're right, we can't talk about some of the things mm. that we're doing, but... But there is stuff that's quite advanced. Yeah, there is. I mean, I, we're, we're in the middle of uh, post-production now on, on uh, Street Smart, which is a, a, a sitcom that we're making for Channel 10, which we're really excited about because it's, it's a half-hour scripted comedy. It's the first half-hour scripted comedy to be made on a commercial network for about a decade. Um, and uh, and you know it it's, it it stars to here and, and uh, Rob Shahadi who who are the guys that created uh, uh, the Habibs uh, and it's a really it's a really interesting fun you know stupid show you know it'll it'll appeal to families it's you know hopefully you know fourteen year olds will love it and make their parents watch it's uh, it's a funny show and it's a you know it's ridiculous like a cartoon you didn't did you make the habibs you didn't no did you? no no, no so I read no. somewhere the other day it was being made by the people who that made was the habibs jungle. but that's yeah, what they would have meant is the people who were in the habibs as yeah yeah, well, yeah, the yeah they're not they're not in really in it that they're oh, okay they're, they're in this show. Yes, they're in it a little bit in Habib's a little bit, but okay, uh, they're the creative. Yeah, yeah. So Tahir is is a, sta- a very successful stand-up comedian. Came out of uh, you know Fat Pizza and those shows, and he uh, he and Rob have got a huge following. And if you go and see one of their live shows, fantastic big you know Western suburbs audiences. There, mm-hmm. it's a very interesting show. So this is about uh, a family, uh, you know, Lebanese family live. Live opposite to their cousins, and and they're at war with each other. One of the cousins is a parking inspector, and the other guy thinks he's an organised criminal. And, uh, they're both bad at their jobs, but it's it's good fun, and that that'll be on later later in the year on ten, and and we've got some other stuff coming up uh, around the place as well. Uh, but you know, we you're right, it is about you know returning shows, and so you know we're not necessarily doing much in the where we only do. You know, one episode of something or one-offs. Mm. We are doing. Michael, you can talk about the the Barnsley thing if you want. Yeah, yeah. So uh, later this year, we've got um, uh, a documentary feature uh, called uh, "Working Class Boy," based on uh, Jimmy Barnes's book and stage play. So, "Working uh, Class Boy." I th- so it's seven. Well, it's, it's a yeah, feature it's film, and they, they put in that was in their reference, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's it'll be in the cinemas first, okay. and then uh, then on seven. Um, Based on Jimmy's uh, like incredibly successful book, Working Class Boy, which I think has sold 150,000 copies in hardback. Book and, of the year, mm, successive year. years. Uh, and a fantastic stage show. And that's, I mean, that's, it's incredibly moving, um, disturbing in spots, uplifting. It's just a really uh, powerful, emotional show about uh, you know, an Australian legend, really. Um, yeah, just you know, learning what he kind of went through as a kid and how he came out the other side. It's just a really absolutely entertaining, fantastic music, but just a really sobering kind of story. So, yeah, we're really proud of that, and I think that's going to make a, a lot of noise. Yeah, yeah, no, it should do very well. All right, um, what's been your longest-running, most successful program? Would it be Bondi Rescue? Bondi Rescue yeah. is uh, it, so 13 seasons, and we're, we're hoping for 14. And it, um, yeah, it just keeps on 
powering along. I mean, it's had its ups and downs, and uh, we've made a better and better show on an increasingly reduced budget. <laughs> but it's not. It's it's a great show. Um, uh, it, it, it endures for a lot of reasons. I think. I mean, great characters. There's great drama. Uh, you know, as as kids grow up, it, it kind of gets a new audience each year. Uh, it's a family show. It has great values. I think it's a, it's become part of Australia's cultural landscape. It kind of feels intrinsically Australian, just celebrating beach culture. And there's something about, for me, about uh, there's a kind of egalitarian ethos there, where I just love the fact that you know you can be black, white, fat, thin, rich, poor. Yeah, if you're at Bondi, you're kind of looked after and you're safe. So I, I kind of love that fundamental kind of message about it. But yeah, we're certainly hoping. I mean, it performed, you know, quite well this year uh, in the ratings. So even repeat episodes were. We had a repeat episode a few weeks ago that did four fifty, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. Five caps. Repeats yeah. are running almost all the time. On- some of those multis, aren't they? Yeah, is the, it's on subscription TV as well. In it's on. Well, we, it part of it, it sells to Nat Geo, so it's in. It sells around the world to, on Nat Geo channels. Uh, so it's it's on Nat Geo here, but it, the ten runs some repeats on their digital channels, and they run repeats on the main channel. It's a mm. it's a show. I mean, it doesn't because people don't dress any differently at the beach. It's actually a show that when you look at an old episode, it doesn't really date because you can't really tell what yeah. year it was made in by looking at their clothes. <laughs> But it's also, I mean, it is, as Michael says, it's just great fun. And those, those lifeguards, the, the women and men in the, in the lifeguard service are the most lovely people. You know, it is a delight each year when we have, we have the drinks on the first night and, um, and they watch the show go to air. And it's just a delight to be there with them on that. They are, they are lovely people. And, and I think the show celebrates the, you know, the gift that they give to, to the public. And, uh, and it, as I say, it sells... It sells around the world, and, the, and those guys have profiles around the world as a result, which is fun. I might say that we we actually do have a show that's had more seasons than that uh, out of New Zealand. Motorway Patrol, oh, okay. I think, is up to 16, 16 series. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what's the company you bought there? Greenstone. 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 Right, okay. Yeah, so we've had Greenstone now for sort of five years, I guess, and uh, it's it's now making some scripted shows as well, which is great. Uh, but but its core is those sort of uh, obdoc. Um, you know, mad New Zealanders getting caught by fantastically warm police. Uh, it, it, it's very interesting the way they make their shows over there. And that, that runs all around the world too, I'm guessing. It does, yeah. Yeah, that sells all over the place. And and, uh, uh, and a lot of those shows out of New Zealand sell very well. You know, they, they sell um, uh, beyond beyond sell quite a lot of them for us and they do a very, very good job at selling that uh Particularly when you've got lots of volume. I mean, it's, it solves problems for a mm. network or a channel. So uh, it's all that, about that volume itself. for a lot of mm. for, yeah. for big yeah. network sales, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what else? So you 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 weren't at Gruen at the start, were you? No, but funnily enough, I've now been I've been doing I've been working on Gruen for longer than Andrew Denton did <laughs> now. So I've done six years on it, I think, and uh, uh, and yes, yeah, so I wasn't there at the very beginning. Uh, but I, I took over when um, when we came in and Nita Jacoby left and, and then Andrew uh, went off to uh, to do some knitting. Uh, and it's great. It's a great fun show to work on. Will is uh, is incredibly quick and, and uh, very... I mean, he used to be a journalist. I knew him when he was just transitioning from being uh, a journalist into being a stand-up comedian. 
so I, I've known him for nearly 20 years, and he his journalistic skills make that show very good. You know, he, he is very good at, at prosecuting, even with a, a twinkle in his eye and a, and, a, and a quip about something stupid, he's still prosecuting a journalistic, you know, storyline in it. And we, you know, it's incredible. The team on that show is fantastic. Uh, Sarah Douglas, Polly Connolly and, and Sophie Brown, they... Uh, that that's the that they're the key uh, producers and writers on it. Um, it is they are very very good at crafting a show that is entertaining and informative, uh, and that's a hard mix. That's a really hard mix to get, and uh, it's 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 fun. It's a difficult show. A lot of moving parts and a very grueling edit. You know, we we shoot it on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. Polly edits, uh, you know, through to sort of two or three in the morning. I come in at six o'clock in the morning, and and then we work all day. Uh, getting out two versions of the show because we do the, the show that's on ABC Comedy and I view grew in XL, which is ten minutes longer. Which and ins- then, Insider's Tip is the the one to watch. But. Yeah, well, yeah, well, this week's this week's uh, which uh, this week's is excellent. I mean, they're, they're, there's always stuff in grew in XL which is gold that we weren't able to fit in the main show. You know, there'll be a great slab of conversation that you just go, look, we can't. It can't be in a 35 minute show, but we can put it in a 45 minute show. So that's you know that that's the measure of of what's in there there's some good there's also some technical stuff in there that's more you know advertising industry stuff and sometimes there are you know there are rude bits in there as well which there were this week so it ends up with a different class let me ask you this with will's back problems and his new radio deal in melbourne he's a lot more domestic than he ever used to be russell and um Todd. Todd, Todd have both changed jobs, and is there any chance they'd be up for two seasons a year? And would the ABC take them? Oh no, the ABC, <laughs> the ABC would take two seasons a year. Um, I, look, there's there's only so much. Did it ever do two in a year? No, no. no the the, the times that it's done two, two in a year was when was when there was an election. Right. Not they at the same time as the show, and so they, they'd it. extend the and season it was a or something like that. Too, yeah, so there'll be three or four election specials, yeah. okay. which were good show. I mean, the election stuff was brilliant, and also there was one series. Do they uh, count in the ten? They don't count in the ten years of Gruen. N- no, 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 no. I mean, they were inside so the ten, ten years. So, so there's been more than ten seasons. There's more than ten seasons. Yeah, yeah, ten series. But so no two in a year. Not not of not of the normal show. No, no, oh, okay. I don't, no. Okay. We wouldn't do two of the normal show in the year because it'd kill everyone. Keep it special too. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think you know because because it is you know that there is there are a certain number of stories I think you can tell each year for, of that that particular show, and before you start feeling like you're all that, it's I don't think the audience would feel it's being repeated, but I think Will and and you know some of the panelists might feel that they're going over ground they've already gone over. So sure. so we think ten is a, is a is a really good number. Okay. A show we could use more of is the checkout. Yeah. Because it serves a, a community service. Yeah. But the checkout, well, the checkout's 13 apps a year. But does that include factory seconds? No, no, they're not including factory seconds. So there's so, 13 so new ones. 13 new ones. Plus then, a handful of factory seconds. Yeah, yeah. So okay. the, which are sort of best of shows. And, and then the other thing uh, that uh, Julian sort of came up with was the idea that we would. We would split the episode into the into its individual stories and have them available on, on you know, iView and YouTube and other places because it's a really good resource. Mm. You know, if you are if you're thinking of having of buying a new mattress or or any of those kind of things, if you know, it, it's likely that that in the six or so seasons of that show that it's um, that 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 story's been covered and that 
you know, that you will learn something from watching it. So, I mean, I, my daughter went went into went into the Apple shop and demanded that they she fix, they fix her phone based on what she'd seen on the checkout, and they did. So, which they'd said no, and then she said, "Well, I know that my, my consumer rights are." And so, if people are doing that, that's that's brilliant. I yeah. might say Jules doesn't do that. Jules just pays too much for his electricity and uh, uh, <laughs> um, home deliveries. It's already racked up. What are we into? Five? Six, this is the sixth sixth year of home delivery oh. now, and that's there's been more than one a year of that. Well, it was one year where there were two. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I think that's why there are six. But yep. yeah, that we we doubled up in one year, and um, uh, but it's you know that's Julia is it's a great little format. It's very it's simple very to understand. Simple. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it does show you that. that Simple, simple. Keeping it simple doesn't hurt, good. does it? Yeah. 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 Um, it's a good research, good storytelling. Mm. You know. and, and Julia, I think, has really come into her own as, a, as an interviewer. Um, yeah, now, we haven't lost her to the commercial world, have we, with her seven gig? Well, no, well, I don't know. that She might be too busy doing that, but it might also, <laughs> she might get sick of that. But, uh, oh, no, hopefully, but she can do both. Hopefully there's time. Seven yeah, is yeah. to do both. Oh, well, I imagine so. Mm. It's good. It's good for her profile to be on be on the ABC, and uh, yeah, it's it's funny that that sort of that exclusive thing actually. It's worth worth saying something about this. It is really odd, and I'm not saying that. Is it dying off a bit though? Than it, well, less than the it network, used to, the or? commercial network, still are vehemently, you know, proprietorial about where people appear. It doesn't in the UK. That doesn't happen. I think there's one UK talent. Or the US is, too. Yeah, or the US. Yeah, that's right. Because you can see, you watch breakfast TV in the US, and they'll promote anything. Yeah, mm. yeah. But, but but here, there's this there's this sort of vehement um, hate of the other networks, and I, I I'm not sure that that works for the for the good of the industry. You know, the, the UK these days, right? When you need all the help you can yeah, get. But yeah, but look at the UK. The, the television viewing in the UK has almost not dropped. You know, there are shows that are getting twelve to fifteen you know million viewers still. Uh, at a time when when our ratings have been going down, uh, it's. The, the, I mean, part of that is that the weather's shit out and everyone's inside <laughs> watching television. But but also, the, they've they haven't given up on certain nights. You know, they they still they don't run dead on Saturday nights for instance, Friday and Saturday nights. They every night of the week is alive in the UK, and there are big big numbers watching those shows. Have I missed any? Um I'm just looking at your wall that's in front of me here with some photos. Are there any long runners that we've overlooked? It's sort of, you know, talking four, five, six or more seasons? No, I think... I think uh, that's, that's pretty much the major ones, isn't yeah. it? Is, is yeah, yeah, of, of what we've done at the moment. A ton of quirky, interesting things you've done. They are quirky We're and interesting. We're doing um, second seasons of uh, Marry Me, Marry My Family and uh, Muslims Like Us, which uh, did well, I think made quite a bit of noise on SBS last year. We're doing Christians Like Us this year, uh, which has been uh, been announced. So we're, yeah, very excited about both of those. And okay. there's certainly potential for those to keep on going in different forms. Okay. Well, let's sort of wrap it up with a few um, industry thoughts, insights. TV ratings. How do you judge the performance of a show these days? It used to be relatively easy before we had streaming and catch-up and... Um, well, uh, you know, I, I, do you know what? Do you know what it would help? It would help. And again, this is we're unique in Australia that the ratings that you have in Media Week in the in the mornings are five capital city ratings. No other country does that. It is the stupidest thing that the networks do to release only the five capital city ratings. So Foxtel's ratings are national, 
and the, the commercial network's ratings and the ABC's ratings that they release are five capital city. Australia has, has nearly a third of our residents live outside those five capital cities and we're missing out on the, on, on the true number. So they could start by not releasing the five capital city ratings to the media at all mm. and only going with, the, with the, the national ratings. And I don't understand why we do that. Well, we uh, know why historically it's come from... Advertising. Ratings were yeah. just an ad tool. I don't think they were mm. ever meant to become a, a general public talking oh. point, yeah. which they sort of have become. Have. And then because separate ownership too of regional TV... I think they pay for their ratings and it's a separate yeah. company. Mm. It doesn't explain why the ABC uses the five capital city ratings. There's no... Sure, I guess and they piggyback off whatever the commercials oh, yeah. are. Yeah. A common standard would make a lot oh, of sense. Oh, you would think so. Yeah, anyway, so, I mean, I think that's a start. But then you've got, you know, you've got all that, the, you know, the seven-day uh, catch-up, um, which which Oztam and other people report. Uh, you know, it's, it's better to wait a week to find out what the real numbers are and then add in the network's catch-up services and... Um, uh, you know, iView and, and, you know, 10 plus and all those things. That is useful to to work out what the real numbers are. But people, you know, they do go, oh, you know, do something for, for iView or do something for the for the network's online catch-up service. Uh, th- that is not how the networks are commissioning shows. When I see a network start commissioning shows because people are watching it a month later on, on their catch-up service, then we'll start concentrating on the catch-up service. But at the moment... We've really got to concentrate. Our, our idea and the shows we make are designed to get an audience in that first week when they first go to air. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the, the shows are designed for a whole lot of people to watch them at once. And that's the beauty of TV, that you've got this shared experience and people can talk about it the next day. I'd be sad if it goes too far away from that. Mm. Um, late night TV's always interested in me. These days they don't seem to commission anything for... Seven's given 9pm a bit of a crack recently with mixed success I think yeah. um, but that's as late as you get commission for isn't the it? money's yeah. just not Nine there o'clock. from the networks is it no it's they not it should, it should be there there's no shortage of ideas yeah. but um, we just kind of know that there's not a lot of interest at the moment no. but is that in a way actually it's not helping the networks is it though? I don't because think they it is say, I, you know, no what comes first, you know? The, well, yeah, we don't I mean, make shows for late yeah. nights. No one's watching yet, but no one's mm. watching because there's nothing there. But that's night. like that's like Saturday nights as well. If you if you oh, adopt course, that yeah, if you adopt yeah. that view, eventually you won't be making television. Which is a massive night anyway. in the UK, right? Huge, huge, huge mm. night in the UK. So, you know, the, the research that the BBC did was that uh, people people's weekends started at four thirty on Saturday afternoon after school sport and shopping and everything, and that there were multi generations, two or three generations in the house on Saturday nights prepared to watch television if there was some television on there. And prior to that research, they and that was a research about spare time. It wasn't a research about TV viewing. And then they went, OK, let's start putting stuff on Saturday nights again. And they did, and it's huge. And ITV and, and the BBC run big, big shows now on Saturday nights, and they get huge audiences because there are multi-generations sitting at home waiting to be entertained. I think late nights is like that. I know the Oztam, some of the Oztam data shows that people watch time-shifted multi-night shows at 8.30 and 9.30. Uh, so I think the time that the viewer is available again is 10.30, which was the traditional time that there used to be interesting late-night news services or there would be, uh, you know, Tonight Live on at the, at the beginning of the 90s. Those shows did really, really well and they're relatively cheap to make and it's not running a repeat of something you've had on earlier in the evening. I think there are big opportunities there for the network and they're big revenue opportunities because there's an audience there and the shows are stripped. In, and in some ways cheap. it seems like kind of low-hanging fruit that the networks could kind of pick up on. 
but they just seem so absolutely focused on preserving that kind of core audience so it's the big franchise the big 730 is their focus isn't it and then if they can get 730 away they'll just let the rest mm. of it 10, sort of take care 10 of is a little different I think but certainly 9 and 7 are, that's their absolute kind of focus at the moment mm. Mm. Um, viewing habits and the sort of move to on demand if you like I mean have you, are you doing much with streamers uh, we did when we, and when do you we need thought, to be for to secure no, we do, your future? We do need to be. Absolutely. We do need to be. Although it's, it's, you know, it's worth knowing this, James. We spoke to our bank the other day about cash flowing shows for Netflix because of the way Netflix pay for shows. They said that Westpac will not lend money on a show for Netflix. Okay. So because Netflix has so much debt and so much debt out with production companies, so still not making money, are they? So well, I did look. I don't know how they're. I don't know how their business works. But, I mean, it, it is useful. They're great to deal with. But let's face it, Netflix don't even have any employees in Australia. So it's not that easy to, to yeah. interact with them. Uh, and they're not commissioning that many shows in Australia. I think it, the sooner there's, a, there's some kind of quota on Netflix in Australia, uh, the better. You know, they've got to be... They've got to be they're the ones using the National Broadband Network. The National Broadband Network has been built for a pile of companies that don't... They don't have very, either no employees here or not very many employees here and don't pay tax here properly. Uh, and, and, you know, I think it's a good idea to have, have streaming services with some kind of, uh, kind of um, uh, European-style uh, quota on them. Uh, that said, you know, we've, we've done stuff, you know, and we are, you know, talking to the streaming services. They're, really, they're going to be an important part of our business. Uh, you know, we've seen Stan doing really, really well with, with some local shows. We should like, say they're the exception a little bit too because there's Australian yeah. investment. Um, no, it's great. They I mean, look it, like yeah. they'll be about soon to be able to announce that. I think they're the first profitable stream company in the world. That's right. Yeah. And look, Not just Australia. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's really interesting because they've, they've got some really good discipline about the way they spend their money and how, what they commission. And, you know, shows like Wolf Creek, which Screen Time made for them and and uh, no activity which jungle, jungle make you stuff, know yeah. really great shows made for purpose and used really well in promotion by by stan and and you know stan's done, done doing the right thing i'm not sure the netflix is they will but just right now they're probably not hmm. uh finally maybe cbs coming into australia i mean you, you know, i ask you as you you know you do a fair bit of work for 10 but mm. do you think cbs will make significant changes at the, as we talk today they seem to have things have been going pretty much as before they took over do you think I think I think things have changed already in, in that they do 10 does have a bit more firepower okay. and, and I think the management structure is a bit more streamlined so you can get decisions out of 10 uh, more quickly which is which is great so I think having that uh, that big brother behind them is certainly helping. Mm. Um, so and, and, they a and, big plus. and as a broadcaster, they know that there's upside in taking risks on something. You know, so if a venture capitalist comes in and owns part of a network, they go, "Why don't you only commission hit shows?" That's mm. that's literally <laughs> the quotes that we've heard from venture capitalists. Now, CBS is never going to say that. They're going to go, we know you, if you commission 10 shows, we know a couple of them aren't going to work uh, and some of them will be hits and some of them will just you know sit in the middle. That is great, having an owner that understands the nature of... of Broadcasting and the and the fact that you can't guess what an audience is you know there is there is no science to predict that you know in, in we can you know we're sending 
spaceships to Mars. We're sending Elon Musk's uh, Tesla to Mars, but we can't predict what audiences will like. There's something great about that, and it's good mm. to have an owner, I think, that understands that world. Well, it's also 10 with less sport now. I think it puts them in a very interesting position. So, I mean, they're absolutely kind of scouting around for new shows and perhaps taking more creative risks than they may have. So for producers, that's a great thing. Mm. All right, that's a CJZ mm. and their view of the world. <laughs> that's right. And well done on, on, on becoming paperless, James. <laughs> we're, although we're sad well, thanks we for sticking by. You're, us. Looking, you're looking very digital. Yeah, we're sad we don't, we, don't have it out in, we don't have it out in our foyer anymore, though. That's mm, yes, that's, we, do, we do lose the coffee table effect, which, yeah. was, which were, was always part of our offer. I guess. We always wanted to see what Nova were advertising that week, that week <laughs> on the cover. Don't be harsh. Well, there's plenty of room for um, CJZ to put, you know, some format ads or something. That's right. The um, the Good Doctor was actually advertised in um, right. in the pages of Media Week before right. it was picked up by Seven. So right, really. Ah, there we go. So you know, you can. That's um, that's, yeah. that's smart. I'm not, smart. I'm not suggesting a direct correlation, but <laughs> yeah. it certainly didn't right. work. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll, we'll think about that. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Look, great to Good talk to, to you, uh, boys, again. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll do it again one day. Keep Brilliant. Thank you. See ya.